Hey everybody, it's Mark Herzlick, former New York Giants linebacker. And I was just listening to the brand new podcast, D-Blitz. Got me going during my workout. Take care. Welcome back to another episode of D-Blitz. This is episode number 27. Since we're going to be talking about a lot more than football this episode, it's going to be another episode of The Banter. So it'll be episode number six of that. And as always, my name is Anthony DeBona. You can follow me on Twitter at Debona. I'm joined by my brother and co-host, John DeBona. You can follow him on Twitter at Jorge Blanco. And of course, you can follow the show on Twitter at The Blitz Podcast. As always, we do appreciate it. If you could rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff on whatever platform you're using. And uh, we had some stuff going on this week off, on and off the court field, whatever you want to call it. So, uh, John, how's it going? I'm doing okay. Um, I do have a little bit of a bone to pick with you, though. And we haven't, talked, we haven't talked about this off air, so this might come as a little bit of a surprise, but I figured it'd make for good content. So for everybody who knows, you and our pal Boogs are pretty close, right? Okay. You're friendly, you play a lot of games together. <laughs> now, I have a little bit of a problem because I feel like you've been saying his name a lot on the show, and I understand that our show doesn't have the best track record for diversity. <laughs> And I feel like you trying to get bugs on the show more is just pushing me out. And <laughs> that's a real issue for me. And no offense to bugs. I wish him all the success in the world. I think he's a great guy, extremely talented individual. However, your poor track record on diversity should not lead to me being ousted from the blitz. So uh, I guess we're going to talk about Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor and all that drama going on. Did something happen with them? I didn't even know. <laughs> All right. So in case anyone missed it, and John's a great, I guess, example there, there's been a lot of controversy, and I feel like it kind of even overshadowed game one of the NBA finals. So a New York Times article came out by Kevin Draper that uh, along with a well-put-together article, it revealed a few clips of audio between of a conversation between ESPN host Rachel Nichols and Adam Mendelson, who I don't think anybody knew of before this article, but apparently he's a longtime advisor of LeBron James, and uh, everybody knows LeBron's agent, Rich Paul. So apparently he's an advisor for those two. But the main quote that everybody's been talking about is, uh, or I guess people are kind of throwing what Mendelson has said onto Rachel Nichols too, but here's what Rachel Nichols said. She said, and I quote, I wish Maria Taylor all the success in the world. She covers football. She covers basketball. If you need me to give her, if you need to give her more things to do because you are feeling pressure about your crappy longtime record on diversity, which, by the way, I know personally from the female side of it, like go for it. Just find it somewhere else. You are not going to find it from me or taking my thing away. So basically, Rachel Nichols was alluding to the fact that apparently ESPN approached her about Maria Taylor taking over the hosting job for uh, during the bubble I believe and Rachel Nichols was pretty much like no I've earned this you can I know you got your bad history going on about your racial diversity and whatnot but I earned this this is my thing you can find uh, a spot for her elsewhere which I think is completely fair but uh, what are your thoughts on it John? Yeah in all seriousness um, I didn't think there was much of an issue with what Rachel Nichols said I know some people are going to blow it out of proportion because she brought race into it. And that's, I feel like that's the thing that I saw the most people being mad about was people were mad that 
they were like, oh, why does Maria Taylor being bumped up have to be a diversity move? Why can't it be that she's, you know, just that talented and a great hire? And it's like, maybe it is, and maybe that's true, and maybe she is just that talented. I honestly haven't watched enough of her or Rachel Nichols for that matter to know. But the whole thing is, if she's getting moved up because of her talent, why does she have to be replacing one of the few females they actually have on the staff? That's, and I think that's the bigger problem here, is that I don't blame Rachel Nichols for feeling the way she does, because... I feel like in sports, it's been made very clear that there are only a certain amount of positions that are going to be allocated to women. And to some degree, it makes sense because a lot of sports don't have female equivalents and most sports don't have successful pro female equivalents. Basketball would be the one exception though. You have the WNBA, you have WNBA veterans and players. And I feel like there's been a little bit more diversity on that end of the, of the sports realm. But going back again, it's to me, I don't think anybody's wrong for not wanting to lose their job because of a diversity move. Even if it's not for a diversity move, I don't think anybody should be happy to lose their job, period. And I know she wasn't necessarily losing her job. Like they weren't going to necessarily pay her any less because I'm pretty sure she's under contract. But just losing, you know, just being moved downward at your job was a step in the wrong direction. I don't think anybody should just willingly embrace unless it's something like a competitive sport that's more measurable that's the problem too is when you get into like analyst positions and host positions and things like that it's hard to really have like a measurable way to quantify that where if it's different to me in like team sports and athletics because then it's like okay well clearly this guy's averaging this amount of points or this amount of rebounds or whatever like make the change or this guy's you know in a slump make the change but with something like hosting, it didn't really make any sense to me. So I didn't really understand everybody getting up in arms about it. To me, the worst part was the Mendelssohn comments, although I didn't actually hear the audio. And I think depending on his tone in the audio could be telling about his comments, but I don't know if you want to tell everybody what those were. Uh, I don't have his exact quotes written down, but I do know it was something like, he, he uh, it was the second clip that they have on the article that you could, you could listen to yourself on New York Times website, but he said something to the fact that he's tired of, he was like, between Me Too and Black Lives Matter, I'm just exhausted or something like that. Like he pretty much he was uh, saying he was. I, I think the exact, I don't have the exact line written, but I want to say the exact line was like, between Me Too and Black Lives Matter, I got nothing left. Yes, something that's exactly, that. That, that's what, Which, pretty much what he said. That's why I really want to hear the tone of that because depending on how he says it, that could tell a lot. Because if he says it very deadpan and serious, then it could just mean that, like, he has no energy left for it. Like, he's just a scumbag who doesn't want to support these causes. Or it could have been him just kind of joking around about, like, as a heterosexual white guy, between everybody being, you know, all for these different now woke movements, I got no opportunities left. And I don't, like I said, not that that's necessarily a true thing, but I can under like I don't think I think that's a fair joke to make if you're joking about it. But that's why I think tone definitely matters, and sometimes taking a quote out of context doesn't give you the whole story. But like I said, if he said it deadpan and he said it like uh, I got nothing left, like they're really coming for me, I feel like it's a little ridiculous. But if he said it in kind of a joking way of like you know, I'm a straight white guy, what more is there for me at this point? I can kind of see like I don't think that's such a big deal yeah it was kind of weird how they like chopped because i think they played like 
the first Rachel Nick, the first video was like the quote that I had read earlier, where that was about a minute long. And then the next one is about, I think, almost two minutes. And it literally starts with Mendelssohn saying, and I have the quote now, it says, he says, I'm exhausted between me too and Black Lives Matter. I got nothing left. And then right after that, Rachel Nicholas kind of just like giggles. And I forget what yeah. she says after that. But like, it, it comes off weird because obviously there's not a video. You're just hearing the audio. So it's like, yeah. we don't know where the conversation was before that. If he was like that, joking, because he yeah, does sound kind of serious. And then she kind of like laughs, but it almost seems like an awkward laugh. Cause like I know like- comfortable laugh. Yeah. yeah, like with my job, I've worked with plenty of older white dudes that are Trump supporters where they make like these crazy racial remarks. And I like, obviously I don't want to lose my job and get into it with them. So like, I'll just like awkwardly laugh and kind of like just segue, like get into a different conversation. So I don't yeah, know if I that's what she was going for, but like it's hard to really get context from such a short clip. Yeah, I think that's I think there's a level of that to almost every job. I feel like the people who are gonna tell you you can't do that, that you have to take a stand right then and there and put an end to it, are all people who are very secure in their position in life, either because they're in a group where they know they're gonna easily get a new job or because they're financially stable enough that they know they can lose their job and not face backlash. Or they're just a liar who's on social media saying things they wouldn't really do. But I think, yeah, as long as you're not like adding fuel to the fire, I think everybody's had those moments where you have to kind of just like try to like awkwardly laugh off a situation and then move on to the next topic or just try to change the subject, like you said, and keep it moving. Because realistically, if you were going to call out every single thing that could be construed as racism, you're going to be exhausted. You're going to end up killing yourself. Like it's, not that everything is racist or racism, but with how offended people look to get, I think there's, if you were really going to stand up to every possible chance that you had of it, you'd, you'd just be done. You would be exhausted. Yeah. And then one more thing that I don't think I've really seen brought up by a lot of people, but the timing of this whole thing coming out seems a little, I don't know if it's like fishy. I don't even know if it's right to say this, but the timing is weird because I feel like right about a week ago or so, the report came out that apparently Maria Taylor um, wanted, and, and somebody put the quote, Stephen A money is what she told ESPN, which is apparently eight, $8 million salary. So apparently can before I, the pandemic. Can I ask a legitimate question? I don't want to cut yes. you off, but her asking for Stephen A money. And I'm not saying this to be sexist. I just genuinely don't watch a lot of ESPN anymore because I've found ESPN to become obnoxious and not really as sports focused and more uh, entertainment focused. Is she actually good and is she actually a draw at all? Because I feel like I barely heard her name. Like, not saying she's bad at her job. I'm just very unfamiliar with Maria Taylor. Like, like I said, I stopped watching First Take. I stopped watching Undisputed a long time ago because I just got tired of hot take sports stuff. Like, is she actually any good at her job? And is she, a, like, do people know of her? Because I know sometimes I am just out of touch with things. Like, is she popular, like, in other circles or? Honestly, I never, like, I, I know of her, but I would never think of her, like, in, say, the same sentence that I think of, like, say, Doris Burke, who's, like, known for, like, she's super knowledgeable about the game. She, like, gives great commentary, whatever. Like, Maria Taylor is, he's, she's basically just the host. Like, she's done sideline things. And actually, she didn't start posting anything NBA-related until 2019. Before then, it was all, like, college football. She worked for the SEC Network. But, like, I was, even, then, I was even thinking of, like, a Skip Bayless who, like, I hate Skip Bayless. I think his whole existence is annoying and what he is is stupid. 
But I know that Skip Bayless is somebody who gets attention, is somebody who draws. There's a lot of value to Skip Bayless, even though I personally don't like him or find him entertaining anymore. So but that's like that, almost more of what I was saying. Like, is she a personality? No, she, is there like. She's not. That's the weird thing is like, she's not even like, it's not like she has, like, she's somebody, say, like Malika Andrews that has like sources and makes these reports and whatnot. Like, she's literally just a host that kind of just like, I guess runs the runs the point. Like she she like shifts topics. She just goes on, pretty much the how I forget their names, but like how the host and how um, first take used to have between Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless. I forget what her name is, but like oh, she like, pretty much does like, that. It's not like she's really. Molly, right? I said yeah. Molly was the one who uh, ended up marrying Jalen Rose, right? I think that's the only reason I know I remember her. Yeah, she, she's pretty much she pretty much has that role with ESPN, where like, and I mean Rachel Nichols does the same thing. Besides, like the sideline reporting she does once in a while, yeah. but like. She just feels like she's been doing it since, I think, the early 2000s to where, like, she's kind of taking over for her, but she doesn't really feel like she fell off to that point. Like, I can kind of understand where she's coming from. But what I, to get back to my point about the whole salary thing is, like, so apparently before the pandemic, ESPN approached Maria Taylor and offered her $5 million a year, and she turned it down. Sheesh. And now, apparently, they're offering her between 2 to $3 million a year. Keep in mind, I, I looked it up. I don't know how true it is, but multiple sites have Rachel Nichols as making $1.5 million a year. So I just feel oh, like... That makes more this, sense. Like I would say, it's definitely a business decision than from ESPN. Like if You want to give the person you're paying more money to more exposure. Like, but now I just feel like it's weird yeah. that like this whole thing comes out a week after, a week or a few days after Maria Taylor, while this whole thing goes public with Maria Taylor, kind of like saying she wants more money or whatever. I don't know. It just seems very fishy. Like she's kind of holding ESPN's feet to the fire in a sense to like give her more money or make them look bad. Well, what uh, I thought was really weird. What I thought was really bad too was, and I don't know, cause I guess to some degree they have to cover that. Like it's so hard because I know you have to placate to like the Twitter mob to some degree. Like I don't want anybody out here voicing their opinion like they're Trump, but at the same time, it's like, where is that line, really? Because, like, then Rachel Nichols came out and got – they originally wanted to slide her basically to the Doris Burke sideline reporter role, right, is, I believe, what happened. And, Pretty much. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what she normally has. They took her off the hosting yeah. and they're going to have her as a sideline. So, but after this story came out, they even replaced her in that role, and that's where I think they put uh, Malika Andrews, right? And Malika yeah, Malika Andrews, that. yeah. Like, so it was really, like, a extra screw you, I feel like, where it was, like, Oh, you didn't want to get replaced? All right, we'll replace you again. Like, I don't know. Like I said, I know I think, to some degree you need to, like, just get rid of, like, the Twitter mob or whatever. But, I mean, we have we have a lot of black friends. And not to sound – I mean, it's going to sound racist. But I feel like I'm a white guy. Says, <laughs> you can't be a white guy and say I have black friends and not sound racist. But – People who've listened to the show know that, like, we are very friendly with, like, a lot of black guys, and we're in a lot of sports groups together. We have a lot of conversations about race and sports and really everything. And even most of them, I didn't – we're not – I mean, we're not doing this on Green Room, so we don't have any guests tonight. But I haven't seen any of them be like, no, Rachel Nichols is terrible. Take her. Like, I don't see any real-life people being that upset with what Rachel Nichols says. I think everybody can put themselves in the shoes of, like, I don't want to lose my job. Like, She's not talking about somebody else losing their job. She's talking about her job. Like, and I don't see how people are like mad that somebody didn't want to give up their job. Yeah, I just feel like, I don't know. It's just 
the culture and, and the reactionary world. I mean, we've talked about this the past couple episodes, but like, it's just the media and the world that we are in now is just, it's like such the cancel culture is such a big thing. And everybody, everybody wants to just screw up everybody else's success. We saw it with Chauncey Bills when he got hired and whatnot. It's just like, now I feel like apparently, so apparently Maria Taylor sent out her first tweet since this whole thing happened. And it says, during the dark times, I always remember that I'm in this position to open doors and light the path that others walk down. I've taken some punches, but that just means I'm still in the fight. Remember to lift as you climb and always keep rising. And then it's four pictures of her with different, it looks like collegiate black athletes. Yeah, but and like, that's, I mean, I would say that's fine. Like, I don't have any ill will towards her. Like, I don't think any of this is her fault. Like, in the same boat as Rachel Nichols, she should be, she should want to climb within her job. She should want to get better positions. Like, if she can convince them to give her $5 million, go for it. Like, I'm not going to knock her for any of that either. But to me, it just falls with ESPN, who's just looking for the easy scapegoat, who doesn't want to deal with, like, actual diversity hires and actual diversity issues. So they're like, let's just do the quickest thing. Let's sweep it under the rug. And, I mean, so many companies do it. But, like I said, that's what's hard because, like, people will complain about cancel culture and stuff like that. But to some degree, there's validity to it. Like I said, I don't think it should be like the late 90s or, you know, even if you want to go back really far, like, you know, 40s and even Civil War era where it's like you could just blatantly be racist and be a piece of garbage and say anything that comes to your mind with no fear of repercussions. I don't think you should be able to just like ignore the existence of minorities as a white guy and just like be that person but at the same time I also don't think that every little comment like I, I think as a white person you should still be because that's the thing too everybody wants to have a conversation about race but nobody really wants to have a conversation about race people just want to preach to the choir and they just want you to like repeat what they already feel comfortable with everybody wants to exist in this echo chamber where it's like no if you want to talk race white people can have a voice too and be like yeah I'm sorry if I'm a middle-class white guy going to my job every day as a mechanic or going to my job every day as, you know, a, a teaching assistant like I do, like, you're not going to necessarily feel the same way about the world as the guy who gets to go to the country club and, you know, have his martini lunch and make mergers and all that stuff. Like, you're not going to feel like if you don't come from old money and you're a white guy, you don't, I know you, you benefit from white privilege in other ways, but it's not going to be the same conversation. So I think just basically saying like, everybody say this one thing or you're wrong is just counterproductive to everything because it's going to make more people shut off. It's going to make people not want to acknowledge it. And it's going to push racists back into the closet is the other thing too. Like, I think if you are a racist, I want to just know that you're a racist, like wear it on your sleeve. So I know to avoid you. I know to stay away from you and let that be that. I think like, I don't know. It's such a hard topic anytime race comes up. Speaking of race, I just want to touch on this because this video made me so damn happy. But did you, this has nothing to do with sports. But did you happen to see, it went pretty viral. There was a guy, I think it was in New Jersey, where this basically super racist, typical like Trump supporter, middle-aged white guy. Oh, is this, is this the guy who got his freaking house surrounded? Yes. So he, like, he was like harassing, <laughs> he was harassing another black guy, I guess, I was in his see, neighborhood. I didn't see the original video, but hearing the response to that yeah. made me so damn happy. So <laughs> the guy, the original video, I ended up looking it up earlier today. He was like, the guy's pretty much saying all these ridiculous racial remarks to this black dude, I guess, that's in his neighborhood or staying at a neighbor's house or whatever. 
and he's just going way over the top. And when the video ends, he pretty much says like, because he realizes he's being recorded, he's like, "Oh, I live at such and such and such." Like he gives out his hey. address, and he's like, "If you got a problem, come see me." And then the video ends where he's talking to a cop, and it seems like the cop and him are friendly. Like this guy must call the cops on his neighbors often or whatever. But the cop was pretty much like, yeah, Joe, or whatever the guy's name was, I'll deal with you later, whatever, just go home. And then literally the next video that came out about this whole incident is the cop taking out that guy in handcuffs out of his house. And then there's literally probably like a hundred black people just like throwing bottles at the dude. They just showed up to his address because the idiot gave it out and they're just calling him out for being the racist that he is. And it was just the best thing ever because it's just yeah. like... Uh, I loved it because he was just so ignorant and racist and he actually like people actually showed up at his at his house. That's yeah, that's the best. That's like the whole thing where it's like and I forget who posted it, but I saw somebody repost the clip on Facebook this week where it's like an, another old white guy being like, Well, how come rappers can say the N word and we can't? Yeah. And then the, the, the black guy just goes, So say it. Say it. And he's like, No, I can't I can't say it. He goes, No, say it. Like and that was like on a news desk, right? I think I saw yeah, that too. I don't I don't know if it was a real I don't know if it was a real clip or from like a show or a movie or anything. But it's just such a funny idea because it's like, yeah, nobody's actually telling you you can't say anything. It's just there are repercussions to it. Like oh, But yeah, that's uh that's why you have to know limits. Like that that was my favorite viral video of the week, so I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, but, I saw um, I saw the story and I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy like couldn't be any dumber and deserves every single ounce of it. Exactly. But there actually, I know we talked a lot about NBA reporters, but there actually was a game played, and that was game one of the 2021 NBA Finals between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. So leading up to the game, it seemed like Giannis wasn't going to play, but then he pulled the James Harden and went from doubtful to questionable, and then he suited up all in the same game, all in the same day. So he ended up playing. He actually looked pretty damn good. But the Bucks came up you, short. I don't know if you hear that. That's you pat yourself me, on the back. That's me patting myself on the back, yeah. Because All right, so I, I had yeah, texted John when the, the Giannis injury happened, just like everybody else that was watching the game and tweeting about it. Everybody thought that he was done, that his, that was a serious knee injury. And then John was like, because he has a, a degree in uh, Grey's Anatomy, I guess. No, I just I I have this I have this little thing called being a sports fan and watching sports for nearly twenty years. But, but yeah, so he said right away it was a hyperextension, and sure enough, that's what it was. And Giannis only missed two games or whatever it was. Yeah, but I was say I my exact words were something like well my exact words were something like, but I said something to the effect of like, it looks it looks like it could be okay, but it probably won't be because just because I know I'm usually wrong on things. But I said, it looks like a hyperextension that doesn't always mean a tear because I've seen that happen a lot where, like, it's, like, basically, yeah, his knee, like, kind of went backwards. And, like I said, it, it looked bad. I don't ever want it to happen to me. But I feel like it looked <laughs> like a thing that could be, like, a sprain or a strain and not necessarily a full-blown tear. It wasn't, like – the way you were, like, hyping it up, I thought he Kevin weared himself. I thought I was going to see a bone sticking out of his leg and everything else because I wasn't watching the game live when that happened. And then I saw the clip, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, that looks kind of bad, but that could be okay. But, yeah, so that happened. Then Giannis suited up somehow. A lot of people were saying that uh, he got some vibranium or something put in there, and that's how he came back. But he looked like his normal self. He had, I think, 20 points, 17 rebounds, something like that. But he did 
only play, I think, 33 minutes, 34 minutes, so probably a little bit less than they would have liked him to play. But, I mean, they can't push him too much. But the Suns so end up say, winning. Not, it's, it's not a must. I mean, I know it's a, a game you'd like to have, but it's not a must win. I think if they were facing elimination, you'd see him play kind of like a Durant-type performance, unless yeah, they not, were really terrible. Put up uh, 48 minutes without taking a break. That's yeah. still crazy. But So, yeah, the Suns beat the Bucks 118-105. Uh, I I feel like the first half was pretty back and forth. I know the Suns are up eight at halftime, but it was a little bit closer than that. But then the third quarter, they just – they outscored the Bucks by eight. I feel like that's where the game kind of got out of hand, especially because Giannis couldn't just be on the court the entire time. So he literally was the only starter with a positive plus minus for the Bucks. He was a plus one. Every other starter was minus 11 or worse. So literally so... Once, once Giannis went to the, to the bench, it was over. I was just going to say, I know some people are like, oh, momentum is not real, this and that. I absolutely believe in it. And I, I've been on the record saying I'm not like a huge, huge basketball fan. I love the Nets, but I don't really care about the sport on a whole. But there is something special to just watching a guy get momentum and just take over a game. And to see Chris Paul, the way he did it in the last game against the Clippers, and then to see the way he did that really in the second half last night was just something special. There was a point in the third quarter – that it just felt like every time Chris Paul touched the ball, magic was going to happen, whether he was going to make the right pass, knock down a shot, him and Devin Booker just like killing him on the mid-range shots, which to me, again, as a casual basketball fan, I kind of love seeing that because I feel like all you see from the highlights are three-pointers and dunks, and it really feels like the way people talk about basketball, that that's all that happens in basketball now. And to just watch Booker and Chris Paul like kill him by pulling up from the foul line basically over and over and over again was just something really, really fun to watch. And then DeAndre Ayton just being an absolute beast on the boards too. Being the Reggie, being the Reggie Evans fan I am, that was a, a fun watch. And Brooke Lopez deciding he could shoot threes is never going to not be mind-blowing to me as a Nets fan. So... It's just, it was a really fun game one. I think it's going to be a fun series. That I hope Giannis, uh, Giannis is healthy and that it can go a little bit longer. But uh, no part of me would be mad if it does go subs and four. Yeah, really quick on the whole Brook Lopez thing. It still blows my mind that I think it was like him and Al Horford. They never attempted a, a three-pointer for like the first like five or six years of their career. And then all of a sudden now they're like – respectable three-point shooters for the last, like, five or six years. It's just do you think, crazy. Do you think, it's crazy. I said, do you think that's going to happen one day with DeAndre Ayton? Because I saw something where it was, like, what was it? He's the first player in, like, forever, basically, to have, uh, like, over 80, uh, 80% shooting and average over 20 points per game in the playoffs at the same time. Yeah, it was, like, Shaq, Bill Russell, Kareem, Hakeem. was, <laughs> yeah. like, the best big men ever. <laughs> Just guys who know that, like, I'm not going to take a three. I'm just going to take the ball down low and just dominate. But that's the thing is, like, he even said that – well, he's still young. He's still only 22 years old. But, like, he said Chris Paul was, like, the greatest thing that ever happened to him because I guess he was, like, he was drafted first overall. He was kind of feeling himself. So, like, he was just doing what he did. And then I guess Chris Paul – you see Chris Paul yelling at him sometimes, even now, even though they've made it to the finals. He's hard on him, and he's like – you could tell he's pushing him because he's telling him, like, probably explaining how great he can be, and he's finally, like, realizing his potential. But I feel like people well, – Well, the comparison quick, quick... that – I would say just the comparison that I had made in the group that I think a few people had agreed with is I, I basically said, is DeAndre Ayton what would have happened if Cat listened to 
yeah. Jimmy Butler when he was there and didn't like hate that Jimmy Butler was so hard on them. Like, could Jimmy Butler have elevated Carl Anthony Towns to be and that team to be where the Suns and Aiton are headed right now? I mean, yeah, it makes sense because it's weird because the first two years of his career, I think his stats were actually better than they were this year, but obviously because now they're in the playoffs at the bigger stage, he's getting more attention. But also, like, his field goal percentage shot through the roof now. I think he was, like, over 60%. And obviously now in the playoffs, he's shooting, like, 80%. So he's got Booker and Chris Paul getting him the ball in the right places. Like you said, Chris Paul went on a run where he was just, like, literally they went to commercial break, and it was, like, five different Chris Paul highlights. He was, like, throwing a lot to the eight and shooting a, a fadeaway, throwing a lot to eight and fadeaway three. He was just, like, doing crazy stuff, just taking over and- the game at 36 years old. Yeah, even just getting steals at random times, like, I think it was the end of the L.A. game where it was, like, kind of annoying because I'm like, you're just being an a-hole now. But I also <laughs> got it because, like, he's just that fired up. That he, That's like, Chris Paul's middle name. Yeah, it's just, like, the end of the game and, like, the Clippers are, like, lollygagging because they know the game's over. And Paul just, like, steals the ball and runs out and scores again, I think, or something. It's like, That's just who Chris Paul is, and I love Chris Paul. But that's the thing is, like, if you look at Chris Paul's resume, he literally has everything to be, like, an all-time great except for a ring. Because a yeah. lot of people forget, like, he was one of the best, like, defend- defensive guards in the league for a long time. He made, like, seven or eight all-first-team defense. Like, he's a he's got He's got Jay Crowder's mentality with actual skill. <laughs> it's like, I think that's listen, what makes Chris listen. Paul, I mean, that's I, what makes I, Chris Paul I, special. I have a very soft spot in my heart for Jay Crowder. There is no will, Jay Crowder slander on this, on I this will, podcast. I will hate Jay Crowder until the end of time. And like I've said before, it's not even it didn't even have anything to do with the Nets. I don't think they were playing the Nets. Just and when I saw him like slap away one of his teammates from helping an opponent up one time, I was like, You're just a D bag and I hate you. And you suck, he, you don't look that sheet, you don't do anything. You're just a nuisance. He's like one of those guys I know, like Kind of like a Draymond, but without the stats where it's like, if he's on your team, you love him. Exactly. And I had the pleasure of having him on my team. He was on the Celtics for a couple of years. and I was a big part of them making the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of times. So I appreciate a player like that. He's Marcus Smart. All those guys are kind of, like you said, the D-bags that are the t- a lot, bring a lot of tough. I mean, the Celtics really needed a guy like that this year because they were not tough at oh. all. As I say, so did, so did the Nets, really. I mean, because – I loved – I love – everybody knows Reggie Evans is, like, one of my all-time favorites. But I feel like Crash kind of filled that role too, General Wallace. Like – and I feel like the Nets have kind of been lacking that guy for a while. I feel like they don't have that, like, gritty, like, blue guy kind of. Like, the Udonis Haslam, the Nick Collinson who got brought up in the group today. Like, P.J. Tucker? Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. The P.J. Tuckers <laughs> of the world. The guys who, like – you don't see them on the stats so much, but they're just annoying to play against, and they know their role. They know they're not scorers. They know they're not elite players. They know they're just dirty work guys. Like, every team needs that guy, and I wish the Nets had somebody like that. But um, I saw – one more thing about the game is I saw apparently Coach Bud, the uh, Bucks head coach, complained, I think, publicly today, so he might get fined, about the officiating. Because although I would say just to just cut you off for a minute before I forget, I finally saw them call one of those like offensive in the air fouls that they were talking about. Yeah, they called it on Booker when Booker, like, yeah, because they didn't call it. I know at one point Paul like pulled up short and John is kind of like fell on top of him and they didn't call it, they gave it to Paul. But then Booker at one point like kicked his leg out and they ended up 
calling it an offensive foul. Because when oh, yeah, the been... whistle, yeah, I say when the whistle first blew, Phoenix went crazy because everybody thought it was gonna be a four-point play, I think, or a three-point, whatever it was. And uh, then they were like, no, 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 offensive foul. Yeah, they've been calling that kickout um, foul since I think last season, but now starting next year is when they're going to start looking at supposedly the the harder than Trey Young thing that everybody's complaining about where they like go through a pick and roll and then they just like stop their momentum and lean back into which is a defender what, and which I would say is I mean it wasn't off a pick I don't think but when Paul did it last night with with Giannis it was yeah. that same sort of play like he just pulled up suddenly and Giannis just fell right on top of him so we'll see what actually happens from that standpoint but uh, one more thing. I know I just said one more thing, but this is my last thing, I promise. So um, Drew Holiday, after kind of taking over when Giannis was out those last two games against Atlanta, he had an awful game. So I don't know if Chris Paul got in his head or if he thought, all right, Giannis is back, so I could just take a step back. But he only had 10 points on 4 of 14 shooting. Granted, he had like a very Rajon Rondo stat line because he almost had a triple-double. But they're definitely going to need more from him if they want any chance in this series. So. He's got to step up for sure. But um, I think that'll do it for this half. We covered a lot of basketball, almost a half hour here. So we'll be right back, and we'll get into some football talk finally. We've got some news on that end, and uh, maybe a little bit of hockey as well with some sad news that we got to get to. We'll be right back. What's up, everybody? It's Anthony Abona, and it's time for a word from our sponsor, fanspeak.com. Now, just because the 2021 NFL draft is over, most of the big-name free agents are signed, there's still a whole lot you can do over at Fanspeak.com. You can use the -the on-the-clock 2021 redraft tool where you can take control of your favorite team and fix all the mistakes you think they made during this year's draft, or you can get a head start on next year's class with the -the on-the-clock 2022 tool, which allows you to get all the knowledge you need about next year's prospects, get a head start on that process so you can put on your GM hat and see what your team can do next year. So uh, let's get back to the episode. All right, so let's jump right back into some sports talk. Hopefully everybody had a good July 4th weekend. and uh, But sadly, there was some tough news in the NHL scene. As Columbus Blue Jackets goalie Matisse, I'm going to butcher this poor guy's last name, Kivlinikes. So uh, Matisse Kivlinikes apparently had an accident during a 4th of July celebration and unfortunately passed away. And at first, the reports had said that apparently he was at a party for 4th of July. There were fireworks going off. And the firework apparently misfired. People started running. He jumped out of the hot tub, slipped, fell, and hit his head. And then I think passed away at the hospital. But now I'm reading on ESPN that apparently he got hit with the firework and died from trauma to his chest. So either way, it's an awful awful situation my heart and all that stuff goes out to his family and the blue jackets um, organization because apparently he was gonna be called up and actually make his debut i believe this year coming up so he was only 24 years old it's crazy he's so young it's an unfortunate situation but um yeah i don't even know what could you say about this john yeah it was really tragic because i mean anytime anybody dies young it's sad but when i initially heard head trauma and knew it was 4th of July, I was thinking, oh, this guy was just being a drunken a-hole and partying on a balcony somewhere and fell off the balcony and smashed his head or something. Like, that was, that was my initial guess, where I was like, he must have been drunk, he must have been at fault. And then 
when it came out, first the story about them running from the fireworks and him hitting his head. Then they said, no, it was actually a mortar-style firework that misfired, and he was 10 feet away from, and it hit him right in the chest. It was like, that's just so damn sad. Because, like I said, it's, it's, it's always bad, but like, JPP was lighting off his own fireworks, so I feel like he deserved some flack for getting his hand blown off. Um, you've seen a lot of other people who, you know, are drunk and messing around with things and they get injured and it's like, well, that's kind of what happens when you mix alcohol with anything dangerous. But for him, and, and maybe he was drinking too, I don't know. But for him to just get hit by a firework that he wasn't lighting and supposedly they said in the article that there was nothing to indicate that the person who did light the fireworks was drinking or drunk at all. That just really makes it sad. Apparently it was also the same day as the coach's daughter's wedding. So it seems like this was, it was basically the goaltender coach for the Blue Jackets. And he had invited him and I think a couple of teammates out to the house for like 4th of July after the wedding. And so they were all just there lighting off fireworks, whatever. And then it just happened. And uh, there was a really, really sad statement. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the guy's name, but that one of his teammates put up where it was basically something to the effect of like, you blocked your last shot to um, you're our guardian angel up there. And it's like, it's crazy that that, because re- you think about that in a hockey game, how many times do goalies get hit in the chest with a puck? Like, that's what you're basically taught to do is like, use your whole body, body up, block, like block the puck or whatever. And it's like, for him to die getting hit in the chest with a firework is such an ironic and sad, like, way to go out. And it's just, yeah, really depressing, especially for a guy. I mean, not that it's ever happy for anybody, but especially a guy that young. And from all accounts, a guy who had that little to do with, like, his ending. Just a really sad story. Yeah, it's tough. And uh, like you said, when anybody that young, especially, like, an athlete that I – I mean, granted, I didn't really know who this guy was beforehand, but it's just no, somebody that a, young. It's just yeah, it's it's terrible. Not, I'm not a Blue Jackets fan, and – even with the Rangers, I know. I mean, I know some of the Rangers prospects, like the top guys, but yeah, I'm definitely not going to know a, bl- a Blue Jackets prospect. But just the story is terrible. Like, yeah, immediately I had texted AJ, you know, my friend AJ, and he's because he is yeah. a Blue Jackets fan, and he was the one that told me that apparently this guy was going to be called up this year. So it's just like it's yeah. awful timing. Apparently, he came to the United States this summer just to be training, and now unfortunately he was invited to a party, and then this freak accident happens. It just sucks, but um. It further furthers my thinking that I just don't mess with fireworks. If there are any fireworks going off anywhere, I keep a very, 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 very far distance away. Not this even before the whole JPP thing happened. I just don't like fireworks. Not a fan, and I will never be near them. So I say you, you know that we're you know that we're in the same boat. I'm never one to play with fire. I don't <laughs> like anything that is or could be explosive. I think seventh grade, we used to throw around smoke bombs. It was like the last time that I had any uh, affinity towards anything on fire. I don't even like to cook. You know? I, I've, got, I've gotten over my fear of fire because I did cook for my then pregnant wife during the pandemic. So I, I set up and then that. But I don't, not a fan of fireworks. That's not going to happen. So yeah, moral of the story well, is kids, don't mess with fireworks. We did get some good, some good hockey news though tonight. The Montreal Canadiens went down and the Tampa Bay Lightning won the cup. And 
that's just a feel-good story all around because the as a Rangers fan, of course I wanted the Rangers to win it all, but they didn't even make the playoffs this year. So with them being bad, who else are you going to root for but the Lightning? I feel like they have McDonough, who is the, I think, second captain that I ever knew as a Ranger, or third captain. I'm trying to remember if Callie got the captaincy before or after him. But uh, they have McDonough, and they more importantly, they eliminated the Islanders and sent them packing. And then to come back and take out maybe my most hated team in all of sports in the Montreal Canadiens just makes my heart sing. I don't know if I've talked about it before on the show, but even though football is far and away my number one sport, I think the Canadians might be my most hated team because <laughs> when we had the Ranger season tickets, the Canadians fans would always come in droves to the garden. They're very loyal, but they're also very obnoxious. They're very loud. They're very French. And <laughs> they were all rude and just jerks. And literally, I mean, we've been to an NFL game in Philly, and the Canadians fans at the Garden were more obnoxious and worse to deal with than me wearing all my Giants regalia in Philly. I'd still rather do, deal with that over Canadians fans at MSG because they're just the worst people in the world, and I'm glad that they have to suffer now for at least one more year. Um, I have, I did not really follow hockey much this season, but I get my uh, fix from the K show with whatever Don LaGreca says. So he apparently said that the Canadians pretty much weren't even supposed to be there. Like they kind of beat up on a bunch of injured teams to get there. I don't know how true that is. Well, yeah, but, I would say they were, well, they were talking about today how I think I, I want to say it was, this is how out of touch I am with a lot of hockey besides the Rangers. I think it was Colorado lost on uh, Seam Kadri because he like got into a fight and he's like their second line center. And that was one of the teams I think Montreal was eventually, or I think they lost to Vegas, but um, Vegas was able to beat them in part because of that. And then Montreal eventually beat Vegas. And, but you know what's screwed up too? It would have been screwed up if Montreal won anyway, because it would have been like the ultimate sort of like bubble asterisk thing because Montreal isn't even a Western team. Like part of why I hate them so much is that they are an Eastern conference team because the Rangers would play them in the playoffs so often. And their fans got all bitter because of, uh, what's his name? Because of Kreider um, injuring Carey Price and stuff like that. And, like, so they were, they're an Eastern Conference team, and they were playing for the Stanley Cup because of that weird, like, COVID situation where they, like, shoved all the Canadian teams into the same division this year, or into the same conference, rather. Like, and instead of, like, West and East, it basically became, like, America and Canada. Like, so they kind of got in on an asterisk to begin with, and I hate them, and I'm so glad that they're gone. <laughs> Wish there was nothing but the worst. So we're going to continue with the good news because uh, we're going to get into some football. And after, I think, close to 70 players opted out last season due to COVID, absolutely nobody opted out this year. So uh, <laughs> everybody that's on a roster, who knows who's going to make a roster, but nobody's opting out due to COVID. So I'm Giants... surprised. Are they sure they haven't? Checked Sam Beal's paperwork yet? Oh God! Or uh, Cole Beasley? Check, check, somebody, sure, somebody check on Cole Beasley. I'm pretty sure Sam Beal is going to opt out again, even though the deadline passed, because he just can't stay on the football field ever. I know. I mean, it really didn't surprise me, but there were some people that were thinking that Aaron Rodgers. Apparently, yeah, Aaron Rodgers was going to yeah. opt out because, like, there was a loophole with the wording. And... I would say, but it would have been an interesting. It would have been an interesting move on his part because. Apparently, it was basically I think the same rules as last year, where anybody could have opted out, 
and there would be no penalty, but your contract would roll over one more year. You wouldn't get paid for this year. So if he had any intentions on sitting out or, but I guess, I guess the problem is he's so old now in football years, obviously not in real life, but he's so old in football years that he just didn't want to risk losing a whole season. I think he probably figures like either I'll get to skip camp and then still get to play the year with the Packers or they will actually trade me. I think I still think he ends up back with the pack, but we'll see what happens. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't surprised that he didn't opt out, but I did think that was an interesting wrinkle that he could have used to his advantage if he wanted to. Yeah, because there was apparently a certain deadline that was like, if he didn't report or he was going to lose like a huge, I think it was like $20 million bonus or something like that. But if he did take the COVID opt out, that like he wouldn't lose that, he would keep all of that. So it's yeah, just... I, I was saying, I was under the impression that everything would just roll over for everybody if they took the COVID opt out. So like any yeah. bonuses you had ever would just transition them to be the next year. Because I know like usually things, I feel like they word things specifically for like reasons like that or lockouts. Where it's usually not like, oh, by April 15th. It's like by X day of the league year in case those things change or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't know. The, the other person that, again, I'm not surprised that anybody didn't opt out this year because I feel like overall we're at the point in life where it's like, if you're really that worried about COVID, you're probably just got your vaccine and you're probably now okay, like living your life. And if you're not, then you're probably just never going to get your vaccine and just living your life as an unprotected person. Um, I know there's still a small minority of people, I feel like, who are hesitant to do anything and didn't get vaccinated and like, all right, whatever, it is what it is. But you don't really expect that from like pro athletes. But I was just going to say, Deshaun Watson would have been an interesting candidate to do this because he is young. He does have the legal issues. He doesn't want to play in Houston anyway. I wonder if it could have been sort of like a self-imposed suspension or I guess in his mind, he just figures like if they're going to suspend me, suspend me, who cares? I'm not going to like, I'm not going to willingly give up my money and maybe still have to face a suspension down the line or whatever. Yeah. I feel like we just, that whole situation just went silent. We still, nobody knows where the hell that's going to go. I don't think he's going to end up getting traded. I think he'll just end up reporting and somehow there will be a settlement. I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's going to be – I still think – I see, I can't see with all the accusers that came out, him not at least getting a partial suspension. But I wonder if it's going to be like, yeah, commissioner's exempt list for like camp and early in the year, let's say. And then like if he'll end up serving eight games or – it's all going to depend on, like you said, if there's a settlement or what happens and how much more comes out, if anything. And I guess we'll see. But uh, we can jump right back to your boy Aaron Rodgers. Because him and Tom Brady played against each other on the, uh, on the, on the course for a, a little golfing competition they had. But your boy Tom Brady pulled up some memes. We know you love memes. So, you got yeah, more about that? Say, needless to say, I did not watch a lick of golf. Because <laughs> I don't like – unless it's Mario Golf or Mini Golf. I ain't messing with golf ever. Um, so, wait, I, wait, I, quick, quick side note. I heard the new Mario Golf game on the Switch is awful. I don't know if you played it. But... It's awful? No, I haven't played it. But... I saw it IGN looks- gave it like a 3 out of 10 or something like that. Oh, that's, okay, that's rough. <laughs> uh, I can tell you Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 is fantastic on the Switch, and I love that game. Oh, God. Not, now we're going to spend another hour of an episode talking about video games. I've only played the, lev- the levels from one so far, but like it reminded me of why I just absolutely adore that game. Took you um, back in the time machine. Yeah, and the way I know, I think I've talked. I don't know if I've talked about it on here or just to you privately, 
But like the the tweaks and additions that they made, like adding some of the features that they added to later games, really does help. Like adding the the, re, the revert and like some of the other features, adding the creative park, like things that weren't in the original one and two, are just so nice. Like the creative park is really really cool. I I haven't tried to make any yet, but just browsing through what some people have made and some of the like themed levels that people have made and stuff, it's people have gotten really creative and done some fun stuff with that. So. Overall, just a really really fun game. Anybody who's ever liked Tony Hawk, if you have the Switch, go get Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 plus 2. All right. So anything about the uh, Tom Brady memes? Which one was your favorite? Oh, yeah, Tom Brady memes. Um, I, <laughs> should have, I should have them pulled up, but I don't. Do you have them ready? Uh, I have the three that I, he did about okay, uh, that's, the Bryson. Yeah, those are the ones that I saw. But I was just going to say um, – the last year has been obviously weird because of COVID and stuff, but weirder because we've seen so many celebrities just become people. And that's an era that like really nobody before us has ever lived in. I feel like celebrities have always been above it all, out of touch, had like an air of mystery to them. And this year we've seen so many of the highest profile ones crack. Like there was, if you're a wrestling fan, the undertaker was kind of like, for a long time, the wrestler who you saw the least out of character, who kind of like kept kayfabe the most and really lived the gimmick. And then they had the last ride series where he's just talking about being a broken down old man, talking about his pain, talking about his insecurities. And it was like so weird to see him humanized like that. And then to have Tom Brady come out and first on the shop where he was like shit talking what a lot of people think was the Raiders. Um, about, like, really, you're sticking with that guy with Derek Carr? Yeah. Because um, people said it wasn't Trubisky, but apparently everybody thinks it was the Raiders that them with Derek Carr, that he was like, I would have never played for them anyway in hindsight, but I'm just mad that they didn't want me, basically. Um, but, yeah, to see him humanized like that, and then to have him out there, the guy who was, like, the stone-cold killer under Belichick, out there making memes now, it's just such a weird thing, because it was like, I forget what exactly the meme said. You could you could say tell everybody what they were, but the third one I remember being really funny. So it was like the uh, I don't know if everybody's seen the Brooks Kapka and what's the name Bryson DeChambeau or something like that. The other golfer yeah. apparently they despise each other, but um, there's a meme of when uh, DeChambeau walks past Brooks Kapka like after a competition and Kapka's getting uh, interviewed. He just like he he mumbles to himself like I, I hate that guy or something like that guy. <laughs> but apparently it's because. Uh, DeChambeau, I'm probably butchering his name, but he wears metal cleats, uh, apparently. Uh, like, DeChambeau, I know you're saying right. I don't know many names right, but I've heard it said by other people enough to know that that's at least how it's said. Okay, so he apparently wears, like, he's one of the only golfers that wears metal spikes on his cleats. So, okay. like, he was walking on the path behind, apparently him and Kepka go way back, and they've had a feud. But apparently, he thinks he did that on purpose, and it was like, like the, the camera even picked up the noise, and he was just, like, pissed off about how loud it was. But yeah, he pretty much makes like a disgusted face. So Tom Brady took that picture and uh, he has DeChambeau's in the background. So it says Aaron hitting every fairway and making every putt. And then it says me on Brooks Kapka's like disgusted face. <laughs> and then, then he had, I'm opening up the other ones. Just give me one second. I don't believe, I, like, I have a hard time believing that like Tom Brady was sitting at his phone the way that like me or you were just opening up. like. Me but I want to believe it was him. But I, but I, ha- I have to believe that it was him. Because if he, I think of it being some intern, it kills the magic. Yeah, but this is also the guy that puts like the videos after like I feel like it was like every win for the Bucks this season. 
where it was like him and Gronk like dancing to some like early two thousands <laughs> like hip hop, heading back to like the private jet. I don't know. It's just it's just funny to me to think that he's behind all of this because, like you said, it does seem like since he left the Patriots, I don't know if Bill Belichick just makes everybody give them the, their uh, Twitter info and they can't post when they're on the Patriots, or if Tom Brady is just feeling himself and, and yeah, having fun. Tom Brady, Tom Brady on the Patriots was like. Vince Lombardi and Tom Brady on the uh, Buccaneers turns like Juju Smith-Schuster. It's crazy. So, yeah. And then now the next one is Bichambeau. Uh, it says, TNT scheduling next year's tournament. And then Kepka is, Phil, when they try to pair me with him for a third time <laughs> next year. And then the last one. Oh, God. The last one's the best one. My uh, internet ever wants to load here. That would be great. I remember the gist of it, but I, I, I know I'm not going to do it justice if I try to say what it was off the top of my head. I'm really glad oh, your internet's grown yeah. up too because mine's been slow. All night. <laughs> it's all right. It says, Bryson and Aaron beating our heads in the back in on the back nine. That's Bichambeau. And then Kepka is, memes and trash talk not translating to being good at golf. <laughs> so, yeah, Tom Brady. That was all in the same tweet, by the way. So that has 80,000 likes in the I guess you could say it's viral, so. Yeah, Tom, yeah, Tom, Tom Brady is the best. Tom Brady's the meme god, apparently, right now. He's the goat of two worlds. So, continuing with some good news with the NFL, I guess this is kind of NFL-related. They announced a partnership with the East-West Shrine Bowl, and it's going to be held the same week as the 2022 NFL Pro Bowl in Las Vegas next season. Oh, yeah, that's so very guess, good news. Yeah, so... <clears throat> I feel like before the Senior Bowl would be the one, the big event that gets all the shine and all the attention, all the best prospects go there. But now, considering that the East-West Shrine game, I feel like it was like the little brother to the Senior Bowl because it, it got some TV time. It would be on NFL Network, whatnot. Yeah, it's weird because I, like, I feel like that was almost a more established one. Like I feel like growing up, you heard about the Shrine game more. But then yeah. I feel like in the last few years, the, yeah, the Senior Bowl has like become the big dog. So now I guess they've officially uh, partnered with the NFL – and it's going to be on Tuesday of the Pro Bowl week, I think, of this this year coming up. So uh, I guess that's going to Thursday, I think they said, which makes sense because in lieu of Thursday night football. Oh, okay, so I think two, I guess Tuesday the practices will start or something like that. I don't know, whatever it is. I don't, but... I, I don't see Thursday unless I just misread it. So yeah, I guess it's going to be on NFL Network or whatever major. Pl- I think they, I know they said the game's going to be prime time, so that's going to be different than the Senior Bowl already. Yeah, because the Senior that's... Bowl is usually played at like one in the afternoon or something like that. So if this is going to be played at night, obviously that puts more eyes on it. I'm sure a lot of agents will be telling their prospects and their, their best players to go play there and get some attention. If they're working, especially in partnership with the NFL, I'm sure all 32 teams will be there. So I'm all for considering how much of a draft nerd I am. I'm all for all these, all these things being televised and getting more exposure to these guys. Maybe we'll get another uh, random person to interview with us next season. But it's also, it's yeah, also just nice. Yeah, it's just nice, too, because the Pro Bowl week is usually such a dead week because the NFL is not, like, the one thing the NBA gets right is All-Star Saturday night, and I've said that for years. It's like one of my favorite weekends in sports. And the NFL, like, I understand that they can't do a lot with the Pro Bowl game itself because guys don't want to go 100% necessarily in, like, a meaningless game that you're not, you know, that doesn't count for your team. But you can do the sort of fun NBA-type stuff during the week. And they've tried to a little bit more the last couple of years. They brought back 
the skills challenge, the dodgeball, the stuff like that. But a lot of times it's pre-recorded and then it's like aired like randomly at a, at a night or whatever. I think if they did that stuff in primetime, like if that became the new Friday night for Pro Bowl weekend, I think that would be a big deal. But getting the Shrine game is nice too because it means we're going to have real football. Like those guys are trying to make a name for themselves. So those guys will be playing hard. And I know there's still going to be some limits because there's always limits in the All-Star game as far as like blitzes and protections and stuff like that. But it's just going to be nice to get a crop of people who you'll probably be seeing the next year and getting to see them like the same. That's sort of during that break with the, with the Pro Bowl is nice. Um, I also like that it's, it is so far before basically the Senior Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, right? Because isn't the Senior Bowl not until like almost March or something, February or March? I believe so, yeah. So I think it'll be like almost a month apart, if not longer. And I think that's good too, because I think part of what killed them before is I feel like they were always, if I'm not mistaken, right around the same time as each other, if not the same weekend, like within a week or two of each other. And so getting that a little bit more spaced out should be nice. And I wonder if we'll see anybody who plays in both now, like guys who really want to bump up their stock and really might be those sort of like fringe guys who could be anywhere from like mid round to undrafted. If we'll see any, or guys who are, you know, coming back off injuries or missed seasons or whatever, if we'll see anybody actually playing, playing both now. So actually I just looked it up. The, this year's senior bowl was January 30th. And then apparently the 2021 Pro Bowl was scheduled to be the January 31st, but it wasn't played, obviously. Okay, so, so I was just mistaken. I thought the Senior Bowl was so much later. But they were – they uh, the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl, the Shrine game, are usually right around the same time. So, like you said, I wonder if now will the Senior Bowl push itself a week back to, like, not conflict with that? And Yeah, I would say ideally I wouldn't think – especially now if the NFL is all behind the Shrine game, I would think you would want to – Give yourself a little bit more time and separation. Yeah, that puts them in a weird spot because before the Senior Bowl used to be on NFL Network also. So now I wonder if, like, the NFL partnering with the Shrine game means that the Senior Bowl is only going to be on ESPN or something now or, like – I wonder if they'll do – I wonder if they'll push the Senior Bowl to just flat out the week after the Super Bowl. Yeah. They do it it in the South where it's warm anyway. Like, they do it in Mobile. Like – just it'll be two weeks. Then it's I mean it wouldn't be a whole month. It would be two weeks after the Shrine game. So guys could still again conceivably plan both if they really need to, you know, up their stock or whatever. Especially your skilled guys, guys who make less contact. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting, but I'm never going to be opposed to meaningful football. Is what it is. Um, yeah, exactly. Especially. Uh, oh, okay. I'm reading an article though here about the Shrine game being moved. And it says the game had been previously held the week before the Reese's Senior Bowl, which allowed okay. NFL clubs to deploy scouts to both events separately. With its February 3rd date in 2022, however, it appears the Shrine Bowl, Shrine Bowl practice week will coincide with the Senior Bowl practice week in Mobile, Alabama, putting Ooh. NFL clubs in a position to divide their resources and evaluate, uh, evaluate players competing in the games. Although, oh, though, interesting. This is weird, though. Though practice weeks may coincide, the games do not. The Shrine Bowl's February 3rd date is on a Thursday, while the Senior Bowl will be played on Saturday, February 5th. So they're actually only going to be two days apart this year. So let's go back and edit out where I said anything about them uh, <laughs> being able to play in both games because that's absolutely not happening. But 
I think going forward, they should space the games out a little bit so that you can get guys potentially playing in both. I mean, there's still a lot of time left. The senior bowl could could move back. I would I hope think... they do. I know the, I know a lot of times, though, and I mean, maybe with COVID now, people are seeing that you can plan things later on. But I know usually things, big events like that are planned like years ahead of time. So at least I know ahead how it used to be. It was like if a player really showed out at the Shrine game, they would get like a last yeah. second invite. Like somebody would get hurt at the Senior Bowl or something like that, and they would get like an invitation to, to practice like the last day and then play in the Senior Bowl. Yeah. So I don't know. It's going to be – if they're – are played like I feel like, and I also feel like usually the entire practice week for the senior bowl is televised. So, like, yeah, if they are conflicting and going on at the same time, even though it's just practice, like that's going to make things tough. I don't know. I feel like it would make more sense to just have them separate weeks and, like you said, push it back they, after the Super Bowl or something. Unless they alternate practice schedules, is the other possibility too, but they would have to work together on that. And that seems unlikely. It's like, yeah. Like, it would be kind of cool if the Shrine game practices were, like, prime time since they're going to be playing prime time anyway. But – and then your, you know, your senior bowl practices can stay in, like, the afternoons like it used to be. And uh, uh, this is – since we're talking about the draft, this is random, and I didn't mention this beforehand, but did you see that they're going to start a bidding process for the combine, I think, starting in, like, a year or two? No, that's very weird. Are they going to make it open to the public? Well, they – I think the last one before COVID – I think it was open. There were certain like parts that were open. Actually, I don't know how many people it was. Yeah, but it was it was open to the. Like, you, always, you always see the whole things where it's like Sean Payton with his backwards binoculars or whatever, where it's like yeah. guys spread out throughout the stadium. Right? Yeah, but apparently in 2023 they're going to start bidding for uh, host cities for the scouting combine. So I think that'll be. They're going to have to yeah, make I, it a fan event at that point. But I say if if you're putting bids on it, then you have to because I know that like. I know teams travel and scouts travel and that would help the economy a little bit. But if you're going to do a bidding process, that's because you're expecting crowds like the drafts, like you're expecting people to come from far and wide to like see this event. And that would be, I mean, it wouldn't be insane because it's like, it's fun to watch and who doesn't like watching guys run forties. But it is insane because it just shows that like, the NFL is a whole other monster that I don't think any other sport can match. Like the fact that the NFL draft is nearly as big as like anything but the Super Bowl that they do, or the fact that their combine might be the third biggest thing that they do all year, or fourth only behind like the Super Bowl and like the kickoff weekend. It's really something crazy. The NFL is just a monster. I mean, they this is the same league that turned Super Bowl Media Day into Super Bowl Media Night. And had it nationally televised. Like this is this is just what they do. They find a way to make like it or not. They find a way to make money out of every single thing. There's so much money out there for the NFL, and we just want a little little tiny sliver of it. <laughs> I think well, I think if me if me and you could combine to get a minimum roster salary for this show, we would do it every day, all year round, including holidays, and find something football related to talk about. Mark yes. my words. If anybody's listening from any any channel that has money, <laughs> if you could give me and Anthony just just a, a nice even six figures, I don't even need six figures. Give me seventy five grand each, <laughs> and I will do this show every single day. I'll do it four hours a day, and we will find something football related to talk about every single one of those days. We breaking down practice squads. Put, putting that out there, we will be the most in depth football show you've <laughs> ever heard. 
I will be so knowledgeable. It'll be ridiculous. You miss you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take, right, or something like that. We we got to put go it out. Into, it. We got to put it out into the universe. Uh, but speaking of making money, oh, just, gotta, just gonna say real quick. Did I ever tell you that there was the very first NFL podcast that I started listening to in like 2007? I don't think they were ever officially like co-opted by the NFL, but they did end up signed to Sky Sports and they got to go to a couple Super Bowls on like company dime. And that was a very nice uh, luxury for them to get. I'll take it. Sign me up. But uh, speaking of only making 75000 the trailer for the Kurt Warner story came out today. So it's officially titled... American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story. It's a movie coming out whenever, who knows. But it's like a trailer behind the scenes kind of, it's like a two-minute video came out. I saw it on Twitter. Doesn't look the best, but it's, I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's a weird cast. Like, I love the Kurt Warner story. I've said before that I will always have a soft spot for Kurt Warner because of how nice he was to us at football camp, yes. at the Giants camp that time. Um. But Zachary Levi as Kurt Warner is <laughs> Shazam. Yeah, it's such a weird choice because like maybe especially because he literally the- looks like the same character. Like it's just like yeah, from Shazam. They, yeah, same haircut, same everything. Um, <laughs> it's just so weird because like maybe it'll be a great movie. Who knows? Because Kurt Warner has a great story, and it's weird that it took this long to make a movie out of it. When you when you consider the blind side was made like Michael Orr's rookie year, basically, or his second year. Um, but yeah, that's just a weird casting shit. I don't know who I would have gone with instead. Maybe if you could have got like a Ben Affleck, maybe. I don't know. But Zachary Levi definitely would not have been my choice to play Kurt Warner. And Dennis Quaid is gonna play Dick Vermeil. I don't know if you saw yeah, that. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. That's whatever. But that's, yeah, it's just Zachary, uh, Dennis, Shazam. Dennis, I just can't. It's too right. close. It's too close to Shazam. It's, yeah, it, like you said, it's just weird too because he they didn't do anything with like facial hair or makeup or it just looks like Shazam. He's got like the jet black, like the same hair. It's just like and then like the scene in the grocery store where he like throws the loaf of bread and the guy like struggles to catch <laughs> it. I was just waiting for him to go Shazam right after he like threw the pass. It's just yeah, it was. I don't know. A but very... that brings us to a topic that you wanted to talk about was casting yeah. NFL players, uh, well, actors to play NFL players. So, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't uh, put as much research in this as I had planned to, which is probably good because we're running short on time anyway. Um, just some some names that came to mind, and I had said this to you. I want to see Lil John playing Marshawn Lynch in a movie, um, especially when I think of him during the Chappelle show sketches where he was like. Hello, David. Like, I want that as Marshawn Lynch. Um, I have to cast both Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate said for their whole war. Um, <laughs> my Golden Tate is going to be Juicy Smollett. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my Golden Tate. Okay. And uh, my Jalen Ramsey... Is going to be, do you know the kid who played Lucas from Stranger Things? Yes. <laughs> Caleb McLaughlin? He's my Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> um, Alrighty that's, then. that's my casting agent for the uh, Jalen Ramsey Golden Tate movie. I think we could win an Oscar with that. Um, I was trying to figure out some other NFL players, but I was just stumped. Um, I will say my personal favorite pick 
is I'm going to do a short. I'm, I'm directing it, by the way. I've decided this. <laughs> on the Va- Devontae Davis story. Oh, God. And I think the only person appropriate to play Devontae Davis would be Hannibal Burris. And oh not because God. he looked, not because he looks anything like Monte Davis, but just because if anybody is familiar with Hannibal Burris's like comedy or his personality at all, he seems like he is Monte Davis's attitude in human <laughs> form. And I would love to see Hannibal Burris play Monte Davis. I also uh, explored some non NFL acting spots that I wanted to take a look at. Wait, wait, wait. Let me let me jump in and add some more NFL ones because I. Okay. I just looked it up. Once you once you texted me that idea, I was like, let me just Google that for the hell of it. Oh, apparently. Okay. Wait, huh? can I just can I just say one person that I should have casted but didn't, or at least All a right. role that I should have casted for? I needed somebody to play Cole Beasley. Oh no, I don't have that. Okay. Who would you pick? I I don't know. Off the top of my head, I want to say Post Malone, even though he doesn't really look like what. Him. But I gotta find maybe like an Owen Wilson or a Luke Wilson, but. David Spade, maybe. <laughs> David Spade would be a great, <laughs> a, a great. Quality. I'm just thinking like Joe Dirt. There you go. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I imagine when you said David Spade. <laughs> All right, so I looked it up. I literally just googled like NFL players, celebrity lookalikes, and there's an article on Fox Sports from October 20th, 2016. So I'm just gonna go off some of the more relevant ones now. So they have Steelers coach Mike Tomlin. And actor Omar Epps, which is literally the same person. Yeah, I say that one is like, yes, obvi- uh, I mean, I can't say obvious because I didn't write it down, but like when you hear it, yes, that's that's who that is. This next one is is really good too. Well, at the time, it says 49ers quarterback Alex Smith and actor Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah, um, I I mean, I don't think he's an actor, but Clay Matthews and Triple H they have here as well. <laughs> Uh, Mark Jets quarterback Mark Sanchez, and that just shows you how far like how far <laughs> along we've come. Five years ago, Jets quarterback Mark Sanchez, and actor Adrian Grenier. I'd never heard of the guy, but he looks just like Mark Sanchez. Uh, this is my favorite one: Giants quarterback Eli Manning, and swimmer Michael Phelps. Like the picture <laughs> they use, they're literally the same person. Yeah. Um, oh, this is this is the, this, no, this one's my favorite one. Ravens tackle Michael Orr, an actor, Quinn Maring, who is the guy that obviously played him in the blind side. Okay. And then, let's see. Oh, one last one. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers and actor Jake Gyllenhaal. There you go. That's do it. Oh, weird. one more, one more. Oh. Kellen Winslow and Vin Diesel. There you go. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Kellen Winslow also uh, in a bit of hot water who will not be seeing his family anytime soon. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> hey, wasn't Kel- was, am I wrong? Was Kellen Winslow not arrested for rape? Uh, yeah, he was arrested for something. I don't forget. I don't know what it was. But let's see. Let's, let's... Sexual assault. I'm trying Internet, to don't fail me now. God, do you have you have Optimum, right? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Do you have, uh, do you have no, I have Verizon now. Okay. I was like, I have oh, Optimum here we go. Right? Kellen Winslow Jr. arrested on nine criminal charges, including rape and kidnapping. Yeah, so there you go. That was in 2018. So, yeah, I don't know if he's Darren Sharper, but he uh, sheesh problematic to say the least. All right, real quick, what did you uh, what else did you want to touch on with your castings? Oh, I was just gonna say, uh, just one NBA casting. I had a uh, Daniel Kaluuya 
I believe is how you spell his name. Is how you say his name. And he's the guy from Get Out and uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. And I had him playing Draymond Green. <laughs> Jesus. So, oh my God. you see, there's certain, there's certain faces that he makes that remind me of Draymond. And it's, it's my casting. Oh, speaking of casting, I guess, I don't know, I guess we can talk more about it off air. But I was going to say, I did go to a wrestling theme bar for the first time this week, DDT, oh, in Park Slope. And Maybe they'll awesome. sponsor the podcast. Yeah, well, they were sponsoring a wrestling show at one point. Uh, but two wrestlers showed up at the venue. They were both super nice. Um, Casanova Valentine and this guy Puff. And then I also met two guys who have a short on HBO Max. And they were really cool. So if anybody has HBO Max, check out Loser Leaves Town. It's literally, I think, 12 minutes long. But the guys who made it uh, were at the bar that I was hanging out with last fr- uh, hanging out at last Friday. And they were awesome guys. So... Check it out. It's a really cute. It's a really cute little like sweet twelve minute thing about a kid, uh, a little boy and a little girl, and the little boys moving away and whatever. But yeah. But you had told me also that uh, you met a couple that had a movie on HBO Zone also. Uh, that was me and me and Subin. (laughs) We were making our own movie for HBO Zone. Oh, I feel like that's a good uh, good way to end this one. So. That'll do it for episode number 27 of The Blitz. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week.